Welcome to the weekly podcast of Calvary Chapel, South London, a church where the truth of God's word meets and transforms the reality of our daily lives. We hope you are impacted by this week's teaching. pastors here at South London, Scanlon Sound. We are in the second week of a three-week mini-series talking about vision, the vision for us as a church, as a, as a fellowship. And this week is the Vision Unpacked Part 2, and we're talking about being equipped to disciple, to being equipped to disciple. And if you turn to Matthew 28, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask guys, maybe you might just want to turn that down just a little bit, especially if I get excited up here. Father, thank you that we're your people, you're our God, and we're here in this place under your rule, under your authority. Thank you that you're working out your purposes in our lives individually, but also collectively. And we contribute, Lord, by your grace to your, to, your, to, to your amazing purpose that's being fulfilled in the earth that is called a church. And I pray, Father, that today you would help us to get keener insight into your purposes so that we can align ourselves after that fashion. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, for his sake, for his fame and in his name, amen. Amen. So, equipped to disciple... <clears throat> As you're turning again to Matthew 28, actually, let's read. Starting at verse 16, going right to the end, verse 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. About 24 years ago, I became a Christian. Um, it was around August 1989, back in the last century. Oh my gosh. And I became a Christian in the midst of, of what I can only describe as a revival. I used to work in a post office, Nine Ohms Lane in Vauxhall, Southwest State. And I had been there, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. I met a young lady called Helen, Helen Vanceball at the time. It's a Dutch name. Dad's half Indian, kind of Anglo-Indian, and Mum's Spanish. And met Helen, and we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And we weren't in any kind of relationship with the Lord, but we were with one another. (laughs) And um, about a year into our relationship, cut a really long story short, God saved us. And he saved us in the midst of, oh my goodness, 
When we got saved in the post office, there was about 20 other people that got saved at the same time. I mean, it was a real mini revival in the post office. And it wasn't just in that office, because I later on came to find out that the same thing was happening in other post offices. I was, I was one day I was in COC, I don't know if any of you remember COC, Christian something another center, bookshop on, in Holborn, just on the, under the, on the top of the viaduct next to City Temple, and we used to always go there, go to the bookshop and just buy our little Christian books, and I was in there one day with my post office uniform on, and two twos, I'm looking at some books and some tapes or whatever, and I looked over the shelf, and I see this other person, and our eyes met across the aisle of this shop. It was, <laughs> I shouldn't have said it like that, because it was a brother, it was a man. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, the funny thing is, he was another postman. And I was looking, I was like, oh, he's a postman. He's looking at me, he's like, oh, he's a postman. And two twos, we got in conversation. And we both found out that we both got saved roughly about the same time in two different post offices. I mean, there was like a mini revival in the post office. I thank the Lord for the London City Mission because it was a London City missionary that shared the gospel with Helen and myself. And when I, when, when, when I got saved... I immediately joined a church community, and it was actually a Church of England church, a church called St. Mark's in Kennington, um, just opposite the Oval Tube Station, and Helen and myself started going there. Within a couple of months, it was about three months later, we got baptized. It was September 87, 89, sorry, we got baptized, and then about, <clears throat> well, less than a year later, we got married. And all because of the influence that God had begun to have in our lives. It actually changed our lives. I mean, I had no plans of getting married. I mean, like any kind of typical man my age coming from my demographic. It's like marriage just was not on, it wasn't on the agenda. You know what I mean? That goes to show just, you know what I'm saying, a landslide shift that took place, at least in my life. And I'm sure many of you can testify to that too. So I got baptized, began to become a part of a church community. I actually went on to join another church after that, but that's another long story. Um, But basically, Helen and myself, we became disciples. And then two twos, I met Pastor P, met Pastor E at a Bible study, and um, we became friends, and kind of like the rest is history. It's like it's been nearly 25 years. And I say all of that to say that from that time, the Lord affected our lives so greatly, we got into the habit of, of sharing our faith with other people. And it was in the, in the context of our friendship, myself, Pastor P, Pastor E, and us just sharing not only with one another, but with as, as many people as we had opportunity to share with. It was like we got to the point where our pastor said to us, you know what, you man need to start a Bible study. Pastor, he gave a little bit of the story last week. And then two twos, we started this Bible study and people started coming to the Bible study. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're Bible study leaders. Oh my goodness, like what's going on? And then two twos, started church. We ended up planting Calvary Chapel, South London, 2003, just over 10 years ago. And look, here we are. And we're here still trying to make, trying to make disciples. And um, it's an ongoing process. Now, maybe I'll come back to the story in a minute. What happened then in our lives? What we do is we, what happened then, it had the identifying marks of Matthew 28. Now, <clears throat> coming to our vision, like in terms of where we're going, remember, we're not, we're not, this is, we're not talking about the mission as yet. We're going to get to that. But we're talking about the vision. That is, where are we going? What are we aiming at? Right? The, the, the vision is 
kind of where we're going. The mission is how we're going to get there. Now, we're not really trying to focus on that, but what we want to do is we want to cast some vision like this is where we're going. And our vision is that we would be a healthy church, that we would be equipped to disciple, and that we would what? Effective in outreach. Now, that's next week. This week, we're talking about being equipped to disciple. And if you like, this is a summary, if you like, of us defining our strategy. Our strategy or direction. It's that which drives us in terms of our focus, our intentionality, and our interest of activity. Other churches with gospel vision summarize the same sentiment. So you can see Calvary Chapel, South London. I've summarized it with using, just using one word, right? Healthy church, equipped to disciple, and I'm saying and effective in outreach. So church, discipleship, outreach. That's basically the vision. And you can see how other churches, I've got church A, church B, you can kind of you know, put whichever church you, well, I can't say whichever church you like, but um, healthy, um, what can I say? Faithful churches? I don't know. So, they may use different terms but describing the same thing. So, another church, instead of using church, they may talk about family, discipleship, they might talk about growth, and, and they might talk about mission in terms of outreach. Another one, communion, community, commission. I think that's Calvary Chapel, Leatherhead. That's their kind of vision statement. And then they break it down. Uh, and, and we're in the process of trying to break it down. The vision. Now, you could see this, but let me show it, show it to you maybe in another way. Think of it like this. <clears throat> church, outreach, discipleship. Last week, Pastor Edan Church, and he talked about the fact that we need to be healthy. Right? He talked about church and what church was, ecclesia, and then he said we need to be healthy in two ways. We need to be healthy institutionally, but we also need to be healthy personally. And that was really, really helpful. <clears throat> this week we're talking about discipleship. Discipleship. And, what we, and if you look at those circles, I think they're helpful because what the circles begin to show us is what it means to be connected and what it also means to be contributing. How many of you know all of these areas, they overlap, don't they? You know what I'm saying? If you talk about um, being a healthy church, well, a healthy church does outreach and it engages, doesn't it? A healthy church, hopefully, ought to be in a place where we, corporately, are being equipped to do outreach through discipleship. And not only outreach, but inreach. We can maybe talk about that another time. But connected and contributing, you know what I'm saying, to the life of the church in all of these different ways and different facets. Can you see that? So last week we began to look at what it means to do the first one, be a healthy church. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, classic verse. The Lord Jesus said, what about the church? What did he say? I mean, it was only last week we heard it. I'm sure you read it in your Bible already anyway. Are you not so shy? Or you not talking, and maybe I can't hear you. I know my eyesight's not going good. I nearly put my glasses on today, but I'm still trying to work. Them things are hard to... I've got very focals. Oh my God, well, the top section is long distance. The middle section is supposed to be computer, and then the bottom section is supposed to be for reading. But, I mean, it's not that complicated, but I still can't work it out. 
it's killing me. So until I get a bit more used to them. Where was I? Matthew 16. Matthew 16. 18. Jesus said, what about the church? Come on now. Thank you, Bertram. I will build my church, he says. Right? Jesus builds the church. We heard that last week. And now we're going to talk about how it started. How it started. There's, a, there's no point us trying to reinvent the wheel, right? We must just do what the, the Bible outlines in terms of giving us the prescription for church. Building the church according to his specifications, central to which is God's word. God's word is fundamental to that. Now, this portion of Matthew 20, 28 is commonly known as what? Anybody know? Just shout it out. Thank you. The Great Commission. Like a manifesto, this is, a, if you like, a published verbal declaration of the intentions of an individual or a group. You know, political parties, they have manifestos, right, outlining their four-year term in terms of where they're going, in terms of their office, right? So we have a manifesto with clear directives. And how many of you know Jesus is more than a politician, right? Last night in men's meeting, um, for those of you that were there, where, where was, where was you, you man's last night? Why? We're going to talk about that, innit? Not today, another time. Maybe over coffee. Maybe all the men that was there yesterday can brace up the men that weren't there yesterday. <clears throat> we talked about Jesus. We never talked about the fact that he's not a politician, but we talked about the fact that he is the commander-in-chief. You know I'm saying? Jesus is the captain, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, the captain of our salvation. He's the author, if you like, or the prince, or the chief leader. Jesus. Now, verse 16 of our text, I'm just going to ask you to just keep your Bible open in Matthew 28, and I'll try and put the other verses up so you don't have to turn nowhere. Verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus, the commander-in-chief, Jesus, their leader, had directed them. The Gospel of Matthew ends pretty much at this point with Jesus meeting with his disciples in Galilee. Now, remember where Galilee is, geographically speaking. It's in northern Israel. All right, hi, Crystal. Northern Israel, because you've got Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. It's a little bit like Jamaica, Cornwall, Middlesex, and Surrey. Where's Mr. Carnegie? Where's, where's, all right. Yeah. Yes, Godfrey. Northern Israel, this is where Jesus was with his disciples. Now, Galilee, this was foretold by Jesus before his betrayal in Matthew 26. And it was also announced by the angel that Jesus was going to link them in this particular place. Now, <clears throat> verse 17, and when they saw him, it says they worshipped him, but some doubted. We thank God for the different gospels. The gospels are a little bit like four camera angles on the same and I'm saying like a, like a football match you'd be like oh that was that was a foul you know what I mean and then you swing to another camera oh no it weren't a foul man oh, you know what I mean the, the gospels are different angles on the life and they sometimes synoptically they give you a little bit of a different picture and we know in one of the other gospels who was it that doubted that Jesus had come back from the dead Thomas 
Now, we feel that at this point, Thomas had already had his incident, so it is, it's possible that the 11 disciples, excluding Judas, right? The 11 disciples, they weren't doubting Jesus now because they'd had their experience, or it possibly could be a reflection on the time when Thomas actually saw Jesus and nail prints and he fell down on his knees and he says, my Lord and my God, right? And he worshipped him. <clears throat> well, it could also be that this is a larger group as well as the disciples, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, where it says 500 witnesses saw him after his resurrection. We're not sure completely. But some worshipped him, but some were there that doubted. It was a, <clears throat> a meeting, if you like, based on at least verse 17 that was filled with mixed emotions. Seeing Jesus, worshipping him. Some doubted. It's unlikely, as I just said, that this was the 11. Now, the Lord Jesus is about to leave. The next time we see him after the Gospels is in Acts chapter 1. And they're not in Galilee now. Where are they? They're right down in, 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 in Judea. They're in Jerusalem. Just before the ascension... And um, they're on the Mount of Olives just outside Jerusalem. And he, re- he reiterates the same message that he's going to give them here in Matthew 28 in a moment. In, in J- Jerusalem, just before he ascends, he says pretty much this, he says similar things in his conversation to them then in Judea, as he said to them when they were up here with us here in Matthew 28 on the top of this mountain. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, Jesus says to them, he says, look, you will be my witnesses. Who? You, the disciples, shall be my witnesses, says Jesus, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. See that? What does that sound like? Sounds like he's getting ready to send them to the nations, right? We hear Jesus say something very similar in the text in a minute. This will constitute the mandate for the disciples. That is, those standing here with Jesus in Galilee about 35 AD. But also, not just for them, but also for all disciples in all places, in all ages. Welcome, if you like, to the conversation. And we know that from verse 20 because he said, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you, what, just until you guys share the gospel over the next 20 years? No, he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is not just for those disciples, but it's for all disciples. Can you begin to see how it is that Jesus is the one who builds the church throughout the ages? We, his disciples, we play a part, co-laboring, but he's the substantial contributor. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 9 says, Paul speaking, he says, look, I planted, I had my part to play, and so did Apollos. He watered, but God is the one that gave the growth. New King James, God gave the increase. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You see where the emphasis is? Don't mean we don't have our part to play. He who plants, he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are fellow workers or co-laborers together with God. You are God's field, God's building project, if you like. We, his disciples, play a part co-laboring, but he's the significant partner. Now, as an outline... 
hopefully. In our verses, we're going to see four things. Hopefully, this will help you as we track through the text. Four things. And here they are. We... What is so great about the Great Commission? What is so great about the Great Commission? Well, what's so great about it? Four things. It's great in its authority. It's great in its mission. It's great in its scope. And it's great in its promise. Great in its authority, mission, scope, and promise. And here we are at our first point. This commission is great in its authority. Great in its authority. Look at verse 18 of Matthew 28. And Jesus came and he said to them, he said, fellas, I'm about to tell you something. But before I tell you what I'm going to tell you, listen to this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much authority does Jesus have? Does he have some? A little bit? Most. All authority. This commission is great because of the one who declares it. It's great because of the one who declares it. Jesus has been given all authority because because of who he is. Colossians 1 Verse 15 says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. That doesn't mean that he was birthed like he was created. No, it doesn't mean that. It means that he himself is the one who created everything. But he goes on to say, for by him all things were created. He couldn't be created if from him all things were created, right? In heaven... And on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. We were talking last night about the battle that we're in. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this, this, this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's who we wrestle against. But we were reminded last night that Jesus has won the war. Now we've got battles to fight. How many, you got, how many are fighting a battle right now? I've got both hands in the air. But Jesus has conquered. You know what I'm saying? And, and he reigns over them. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. See why he can't be created? And in him, all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be what? preeminent see Jesus has all authority consider the extent now of his authority Philippians 2 now I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to be give, I'm going to be sharing quite a lot of text today but really in the hope that you'll be convinced that this is not our vision it is but it's our vision because it's his vision and you know let me say something else It could be said that sometimes when we teach, um, I, maybe, I, maybe I speak for myself, 
that sometimes, maybe when I teach, or maybe some of us teach, especially those of us that may be going to school, we, we can be a little bit complicated, or we can be a bit too technical. Can I say, yeah, that I don't think that's a bad thing? Because you may not appreciate what you are actually absorbing and taking in until you go somewhere else. And until you're exposed to something else in terms of teaching and doctrine, like one of the things we were talking about yesterday is, you know, there's a, there's a church here. It's called, no, it's a church. It's called the Sunday Assembly. Have you guys heard about the Sunday Assembly? The Sunday Assembly is a group of people that get together on a Sunday and they have church without God. And listen, it started a year ago in January January 2013, they are, now in, they are now in nearly 30 countries. There's one in Crystal Palace. And it says, what's the point? What's the point is that atheists who come together to celebrate life, they say, we came from nowhere and we're not going anywhere, but in the meantime, let's enjoy ourselves. And they get together on a Sunday like this. If you switch off the sound, you'd look and you'd think it's church. They've got a band and they got, they, got a, they got choir. The people are standing up and singing. And you know what they sing? Queen songs and Stevie Wonder songs, amongst others. They're in 30 countries in 12 months. And, and I, re, I just read this morning that, that, that I think they've got something like another four. They've got, I, I don't know how many, but they've got people like banging down the website saying we want a community in our community and one of the strap lines is good without God and now that's, it's, that, that doesn't really define a church right I just thought I'd mention that but there are, there, there are some other there are some other environments that you can go into that that profess to be a church, you know what I mean? And, um, and so many of the, 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 the values that are true to the text and true to the scriptures and true to the mandate are missing. And I'm telling you, if you haven't already experienced it, you know what I'm saying, you, as soon as you go into, if you've been here for, a, for, for, for five, if you've been here for over a year, you will go into them environments, you sit down and you listen for five minutes, you know what I'm saying? The music might be, am- uh, music might be amazing. The, the environment might be amazing. But then you sit down and you listen to the teaching. You're like, hmm? I can't name any names, but I remember someone saying to me a little while ago, they went to visit another, ch- another church. And, and, you know, this is far from trying to say that this church is the greatest. We've got, we got our issues, isn't it? But we're trying. That's why we've got a vision, because we're going somewhere. We... But I'm saying sometimes, even though there's a lot of text, on, you know, it might seem really technical, you may not be taking it all in, but you're taking some of it in, even to the point where when you go into another environment and what they're teaching is not biblical, you spot it. And sometimes you're not even sure how, but you're like, like your radar goes up, and you're like, ooh, wait a minute, something don't sound right. You know what I mean? And so I suppose, what am I saying? I'm saying, I'm just saying, I'm saying, even though sometimes stuff you may feel like, oh, this is too deep, man. It's kind of going, oh, I feel like I'm in a lecture. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God shall men live. And I mean, oh my gosh, there's some. 
10 years ago, I would have said a whole heap more than I just said then, and probably would have got myself in trouble. But, but um, if, you, if you don't know, if you, don't, if you haven't experienced that, trust me, you know what I mean? So, here's another verse that now talks about not just Jesus' authority, but the extent of it, right? Philippians 2, speaking about Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, glo- to, to, to the glory of God the Father. And, and this is Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, which was a prophetic announcement, a prophetic picture of the Messiah from the Old Testament. Listen to Daniel 7, and you need to read the whole of Daniel 7. Whew. I picked out one verse. And to him was given dominion and glory. Oh my gosh. I remember when I saw this, man. This is in the courts of like, the, the realms of, 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 of God's abode. This is a picture into it. And to him, speaking about Jesus, watch. He, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Notice that all peoples, nations, and languages, which, which ties in really well to our text, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Speaking about Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22, speaking in regard to God the Father, it says, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Some serious power. And seated him, Jesus, at his right hand, that's the Father, in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. It's it's so overriding. And he put, verse 22, all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church. It's a great commission because it comes from a great God who has all authority. So you know that whatever comes next in the conversation in terms of what Jesus is saying ought to be obeyed with absolute commitment. It'd be like, okay, what all authority in heaven and earth, whatever you say next, like if you say jump, and how high? should be the response, right? Verse 19, Jesus then says, on that basis, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Why? Because he's, he's sovereign over all of the nations. We just saw that, a multiplicity of times. So go, make disciples of all nations. <laughs> go. 
Someone said, go is two-thirds of God's name. Now, whatever that means, what does that mean? It don't mean nothing, right? <laughs> but you know, you were here. I actually heard somebody preach on Matthew 28 and mention that. Like, that's the reason to go, because G-O is two-thirds of the name of God. That's not a reason to go, fam. He says, and when you go with the intention to make disciples of all nations, that's excluding no one, right? Then you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now remember, Jesus is speaking to his 11 disciples, right? And he's commanding those disciples to go and do what? To go and make disciples, Go and make more of yourselves. You're here, right? Yeah, we're here, Lord. Yeah, you're here submitting to my law. You're not perfect. Drop the ball all the time. But that's why I died for you a little while ago, and now I'm resurrected. I'm for you. And I'm for everyone that you will communicate to. And my desire is that you will replicate yourself. Commanding them to go and make more of themselves. Now, not converts. Now, convert is just somebody who for five minutes says, yeah, that's, that sounds fantastic. And like in the parable of the soul, they might even start doing backflips. Like, whoa, such and such got saved. For real, yeah. But then six months later, you can't see them. Because it was a seed that fell either by the wayside or it fell on shallow ground. The birds came and snatched it off. It was, if, if it was the wayside, the shallow ground, it didn't go very deep in the soil came up quickly, sun came out, scorched it, and the plant died. He says, go and make disciples. You guys are here. Remember John 6? We talked about it last night in men's, men's, men's meeting. John 6, Jesus says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. They're like, what? Fam, we're Jews, you know, because it was Jews getting sick. We're Jews. Eat, eat your f- we don't eat pork. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. And they left. But the, as far as we know, at least the 11 stayed. And Jesus never said to those who went off, come back. I'll take that back. I didn't know you were going to leave if I said. He didn't do that. He actually said to his 11, he says, so what are you lot going to do? Are you lot going to duck out as well? Are you, what are you going to do? He kind of made it hard, didn't he? And they turned around and said, well, Lord, where are we going to go? This, Peter's like, this is a hard saying, you know, Lord. It's like, what you're saying is nuts. It don't make no sense, but there's so much that we do know about you that causes us to keep following you. How many of you ever feel like that, like you're following Jesus and it don't make sense? You know what I mean? But there's something that compels you just to keep going. He said, make disciples, not converts, disciples or disciplined ones, committed followers. That's what these 11 were. A disciple can be described as one who is a learner, one who follows another's teaching. That's in Vine's Expository Dictionary. But a disciple is not only a learner, he was also an adherent. Adherent. It's, it's similar to the word adhesive, right? Adherent. An adherent is like adhesive, someone who sticks to something or someone. 
For this reason, disciples were spoken of as imitators of their teachers. I mean, they were so close to sticking, like, committed to. It's like, man, you kind of sound like. Because they were imitating them. And you can't, it's like being around someone long enough, you begin to pick up. So the goal of being a disciple is stated by Jesus himself, and this is a key verse, right, is to be like the teacher. In Luke chapter 6, a, a, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. See, to be Christ's disciple then is to strive to be like him. The Apostle Paul, who was also a disciple, right? He understood this principle clearly. Romans 8. We all know Romans 8, 28, right? And it's a banging verse, so helpful. I'm saying, all things work together for good for those that love God and accord according to his purpose. All things, good and bad stuff, contribute to, to being a blessing. But then this is the next verse. And this helps me when I go through difficult times. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And how many of you know it's only those difficult times that act like, you know like when you get the clay and you put it on the wheel and you spin it, you put water on the clay, but the clay, as much as you might spin it, it's not going to become a bowl until the potter starts like, like hurting the clay. You know what I mean? It starts squeezing and... And shaping a mold in the clay. That's how he begins to form. And that's when difficult stuff comes into our lives. That's, that's what happens. It works in that fashion, doesn't it? And, and verse 28 works well with verse 29. I mean, evidently, one comes after the other. And it helps us when we're going through those difficult times. Because what God is doing is, is, in, is, is he is in the process of conforming us, changing us, so that we look more like Jesus, conforming us to the image of his son. Because as disciples, we're not going to be greater, but hopefully we will begin to look like him. The goal of a disciple is to look like Jesus, one who abides in the teaching of Christ, loves the brethren, that is other Christians, bears gospel fruit that comes from a life of repentance and faith, Everything that we talked about in First John. Now, you might hear all of that and you'll be like, well, that sounds great, man. But surely that's for pastors and leaders and elders and deacons, whatever they may be. But that's not for me. Like all this serious stuff about looking like Jesus and Come on, you know that no one's going to be like Jesus. So we can begin to talk ourselves out of our responsibility to be a disciple, male or female. But, see, the word Christian is synonymous with disciple. They have one and the same meaning. A Christian is a disciple or a disciple is a Christian. Listen to Acts chapter 11. This is so banging. Verse 19 says, 
Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Remember, Stephen got stoned to death. So everyone, everyone left town. Because who, to like, who, wants, who wants to be next? So everyone left town. And they were scattered. As far as Phoenicia and Cyprus. I mean, Cyprus is, is clear across the Mediterranean. I mean, they, they, run to, they couldn't run no more. They got to water and jumped in a boat and went to Cyprus. Oh, my God. To, to get away from the persecution. And Antioch, which is far north, right? Now, notice, they ducked out, but they were still committed as disciples. How do we know that? Because it says that they spoke the word. They spoke the word. And at this point, well, this, speaking the word to no one except Jews. I'm trying to exegete this, this part of the text, and I shouldn't be doing that. Verse 20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Now, notice it doesn't say pastors. It doesn't say apostles. We're going to see them in a minute. But they're just regular Christians. They're just regular disciples. Yeah? And you guys are all right ahead, innit? Men of Cyprus and Cyrene who, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists also, Preaching the Lord, preaching. And they're not pastors. They're not elders. They're not leaders in the church. They're, they're, they're nameless. Preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And look, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord through the testimony, through the witness of these disciples. These individuals were actually responsible for planting that which became the mega church in Antioch. Oh my gosh. Just regular run-of-the-mill Christians. Regular run-of-the-mill disciples. Verse 22, the report of this, now watch. This is, things are popping up in Antioch. Bare people are getting saved, right? Now, Verse 22, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, the mega church in Jerusalem, right? Where all the apostles, all the big guns are. And it comes to them, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch to find out where gone. Verse 23, when he came and he saw the grace of God. You see how the grace of God, it doesn't take a pastor for the grace of God to work. When they saw the grace of God, He was glad, Barnabas, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. It seems like enough people got saved. Now Barnabas comes, now Barnabas Barnabas is obviously a bit of a heavyweight. He's sharing now, and he's consolidating and galvanizing what's being taught and preached and shared. More people are getting saved. So much so that Barnabas, he needs help now. So Barnabas, verse 25, he went to Tarsus to go look for Saul, his brethren. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church. Oh, it's a a what? It's It's a church now. It never started off like that, did it? Now it's a church. And taught a great many people, and notice, this is my point, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called what? There ain't no difference between a disciple and a Christian. If you say you're Christian, then you're a disciple. If you're a disciple, are you a Christian or are you a disciple? Yes. It's like saying, saying that I'm a Christian 
who's a, a disciple is like saying I'm a round circle. It's great. It's great because of the authority of the message, but it's also great in its mission because it's about making disciples. Okay, well, how? First, by baptizing them. By baptizing them <laughs> in the name of the Father. Notice in the name singular of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Trinitarian. I'm saying three in one. And you baptize them in recognition of the forgiveness of sins. You don't get your sins forgiven when you get baptized. You've already had your sins forgiven if you're getting baptized. Hopefully, if you repented of those sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It's also a baptism in water. And we would argue full immersion. You know what I mean? Because it's a picture of a burial, Romans chapter 6. That's why baptism is so important. Then, by teaching them to observe all things that Jesus commanded, see, because that comes after the baptism, right? You're supposed to get baptized as soon as you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you get baptized, and then you go on to be taught and instructed. Baptism is only the beginning. Teaching comes straight after and must continually continue. Remember Romans 8, sorry, John chapter 8, verse 32. Where's Reynolds? Reynolds reminded us last night. Romans 8. Why keep saying Romans? John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus turned to those disciples who believed on him, and he said to them, If you what? If you continue in my word, you will be my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The key to being set free is truth. And you continue in, in that truth. Have you ever experienced the fact that 10 years down the road after being a Christian, you learn things now that you never knew then? And I mean, you're reading your Bible and you can't make head and t- you turn the Bible upside down. You can't make head or tail of what you're saying. And then all of a sudden, 10 years like, ding. You're like, what? It's because you continued. You over here, you're like, I don't understand that. If you just chuck the Bible away then and you walked off, just wait a little longer, innit? Just continue. Like them in John 6, we don't get this. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. It's all right. In time, you get to understand it. Just continue in it. Baptism is, baptism is the beginning, but then teaching comes, and you must continue in the teaching. Such was the case with the early disciples in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, verse 41 and 42. So those who received his word were baptized. And they were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers, which is what we do, right? We've done it, and are doing it today. Breaking of bread, where's Phil? See him there? Communion, right? You see that? breaking of bread and we're now considering the apostles teaching I would like to argue that's what I'm doing I'm sharing with us the apostles doctrine and I know I've got some and I'm saying I've got, I got, I got man sitting down taking mental notes if not literal notes you know and I mean and none of them ain't gonna hesitate to step to me afterwards if I share something that's inconsistent with God's word that's healthy it's terrifying 
Tell me you never felt terrified, Phil, coming up here. You know what I mean? It's terrifying, but we want to keep to the apostles' doctrine. That's what's vital. We have fellowship. Our overall service is punctuated with prayer, isn't it? Hopefully it's all there. Can you see that? What we do isn't aimless. It's purposeful. So both baptism and ongoing teaching is essential to true discipleship. Have you been baptized? Are you continuing to expose yourself to God's word and submitting to its teaching as it wrestles with you? Are you going out, continual present tense, and making disciples? Remember, that's for you if you're a Christian. Hey, It's only normal and natural for a genuine Christian to begin to share their faith with others. You may, all you, you might only know, all you might know is John three sixteen, but that's all right. Jesus says to the disciples, "Go and teach them everything I've taught you." All you, all he may have taught you is John three sixteen. Good. You go share that tomorrow, and enduring the rest of the, the course of the rest of the week, learn John three seventeen, and then you got something else to share with them. And it make it look like you know what you're talking about. This time, you're learning on the fly. Hey. I mean, whoever gets to the point where they understand the whole Bible anyway. See, well, there's a good litmus test to help you to evaluate whether you're a disciple slash Christian. See, being a disciple who makes disciples, it really ain't that deep. It does get deep. It's deep for us because we're having to cast vision and prove why we're doing what we're doing from a biblical point of view. And I thank God for for those of you that are a part of this fellowship because you know why you're here. And I suspect if you leave, you've got good reasons for leaving. You know what I'm saying? We'd hope. But if you're here, you know why you're here. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm not in certain other environments that I used to be in. And hopefully the same, is, the same is true for you. You never just rolled in here just because it's, it's close. I don't know. And let me say that not everyone, you know, this whole thing about making disciples, when I, I said it's deep for us, but it's, some, it's not that deep that you can share the, your faith or talk to someone else or link up with someone and read the Bible together with them. It's not that deep. It really isn't. You know what I mean? And you'd be surprised, just like those, those guys in Acts 11, just like us 25 years ago. When, we, when, when I first started a Bible study, listen to me. When I first started a Bible, my wife's over there, bear me witness, and the brothers them are there, ask them too. When we, the first Bible study we had, when I tell you it was so basic, it was like, hey, welcome everybody, let's pray. Amen. There are 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old 27 in the new. I mean, it was that basic. But that's what we knew. But we were excited about it. We knew, we knew that God had changed our lives, you know what I mean? And that's where we started to the point where now we go on so long, everyone's cold and tired and ain't hearing any more that you're saying after 50 minutes. You know what I mean? We just got so much now to say. But you can see how the Lord, by his grace, has grown and developed us and, 
And I'm saying, who knows in 10 years' time what Phil will be doing? Who knows, you know what I'm saying, in, in five years' time what, 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 you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and the thing is, not everyone is going to be like Michael Prendergast or, or Ashley Noon. Like, oh my gosh, like evangelist of the century. Them guys, them, them and they're like, you know, the bowl, what they, what they like, sis? They're like machines, like Terminator when it comes to evangelism. You know what I mean? They just, they just, you can't stop them. They just. Them, now you might, you, you, you be, like, see, you, you get discouraged when you try to, try to, when you try to compare yourself to them brothers. Them Monday, every Friday night, come rain or shine. Mikey, Mikey, Michael Prendergast, he went, he bought this, this speaker thing. I got to borrow it because we done a funeral on, on, on Friday and I got to borrow it to use it at the, at the cemetery and he's got this thing. I went around his house. The, when I, the man was so excited. He, he had one before and it broke and he ordered this one from China and he was telling me, giving me all the details about this thing and I'm like, okay then. I mean, I'm, I'm a techie so I'm, I'm down, right? So he's explaining. I'm like, okay, my yeah, heavy. And he goes over the head and headpiece battery he said the battery rubbed the he goes pastor rubbed the battery lasts for 10 hours man you could be out there preaching and <laughs> you may not be like him R- him and ashley are resident evangelists you know and that's a gift you know it's not just that he's gifted he is a gift to the body ephesians chapter 4 apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers they are gifts that God gives to the body. So we thank God that them brothers are here. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I ain't trying to get there when it's raining on a Friday night. You know what I mean? But them guys got that gift in. In the same way that maybe his, it's not his gift to be up here. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? You're a witness. There's a difference between an evangelist and a witness. You know what I'm saying a witness goes to the stand and just says, this is what I saw. There's a difference. You know what I'm saying? Also... You know what, you can contribute to the discipleship process of a new believer. You right there, you might only been saved a week, but you, did you know that you can contribute? Look, some of you are so long in a tooth, been here like so long. You know what I mean? Some of you got saved before me. I'm looking at 25 years and I'm thinking, Lord Jesus. You know what I mean? I should, you know what I'm saying? To whom much is given, much is required you know what I mean I'm like man I've got 25 years to give an account for my gosh I mean but some of you some of you got more than that and I'm like you could be teaching a new believers class you could be leading communion you could be leading a community group you don't have to go to bible college to lead a community group I just told you I had been a Christian about six not even six months Lead a community group like Mark or Bertram or Ashley or, or the two Michaels, Mikey P and Michael, Mikey P, Michael Powell, two Mikey P's. And you've got men like Dean and Daniel and Brian who lead the community groups on occasion. It's terrifying, but you know what? You can uh, go and ask them personally and they will tell you how much they've grown through that process. I mean, facilitating the back table, Judith and Karen Dunstan. 
ushering or part of the tabernacle team or hospitality, serving teas and coffees at the end of the service. You're facilitating fellowship. I remember when I used to do that, not serve teas and coffees. I remember when I used to be on the sound desk, like the brothers up there, Daniel and Reynolds and Michael and them brothers. For years, I remember when Pastor P was in children's ministry and Sarah, his wife, and Helen, my wife, and, and Judith. And Pastor Ephraim was in the praise team. For years. It still is, isn't it? <laughs> it still is. <laughs> oh, he kind of heads up the praise team. I'm like, I remember those days, man. And we were all facilitating fellowship. It was important. It's vital. And I'm saying, it's like teaching the mini disciples Round the back there in children's ministry with Neil and Camille. Youth night at the office with Morena and Anne-Marie. I mean, and you know, that's just scratching the surface of those involved in the many ministry teams here in Calvary Chapel, South London. Can you see how everyone strategically contributes to the discipleship process? Listen to Ephesians 4 with that in mind. Oh, Ephesians 4. Oh dear, we're in trouble now. And he gave, that is the Lord Jesus, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip the saints. Notice that. Don't miss that. A part of what is happening, you know what? Oh my gosh. A part of what is happening right now is you are being equipped. But if you don't know that, you come in and you walk back out again. If you don't see that this is a time for you to be equipped, if you don't sit now, look, we're a big gathering. This is going more into, into, what are the two different ones? Vision and mission. Part of the mission, just as a side, we're here as a large community under God's word being proclaimed. Then we gather in smaller groups, midweek community group. I mean... If you're in this large group and you're in midweek community groups, if you go to community group, you're being exposed to God's word to the point where you're being equipped as a disciple to do the work of the ministry. For the building up of the... Listen, if you're not, if you're not doing your job, then the body ain't getting built up. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, that's females included, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the one who we're supposed to be trying to look like. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. False life. Imagine false teaching by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, you won't be able to sit under that madness. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head again, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together. That's body ministry. Every member ministry. Can you see it? If you're a member here, that's God's plan for you. You feel like, man, I'm not growing. I'm stagnating. 
Maybe there's some insight as to why. If you're attending and you're not connected and contributing like those circles, well, you're not really a part of the body. In which case, we would strongly invite you to do so, to become a part of the body. Karen's got some membership forms at the back that you can grab and get in where you fit in. And there's a place that you fit in. There's many, so many parts to the body. And begin the process if you haven't. You might be a, a visitor, I don't know, a member at another church. That's all good. Hopefully you're just visiting, but you're a member somewhere else, you're committed somewhere else. But if you're not a member here or anywhere functioning, then something's terribly wrong. Back to verse 19 of our text. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teaching, or more specifically training, which is teaching with accountability. In order for us to train or disciple others effectively, we ourselves need to be trained. And that's what's terrifying about discipleship, isn't it? I know if I'm going to make disciples, I have to become one. (laughs) And that on the basis of none other than God's word. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Instruction based on Jesus' words, which which would also include the writings of the Old Testament. Remember remember that in Jesus' time, there was no New Testament, right? Training. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17 says... All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be competent, equipped to disciple, equipped for every good work. Did you know that? By the end of this academic year, Four of us would have been in school for five years at Cornhill, Oak Hill, and the Urban Ministry Program. Myself, Pastor E, Neil, and Mark. Nearly five years. One of us, two years. That's Brother Richard Thomas. We were part-time. He's full-time at Oak Hill studying. And oh my gosh, what is the Lord going to do with that bread up? Hey. Nine of us for one year, Dean, Helen, Godfrey, are at Cornhill, two of them Monday and Tuesday, part-time, Godfrey's there full-time. He's not going to be with us much longer, I mean, let's grab him. If you ain't invited him around for dinner yet, shame on you. We've got to help that brother while he's here because he's going back after being equipped to go and make disciples. Elijah, Harriet, Daniel, Ashley, I had to write it down because I didn't want to forget no one. Adam, Makushla, are all at the DMT, UMP, DMT, Urban Ministry Program, Discipleship Ministry Training, which is on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And we're going to give you some more insight. It's just, a, I suppose you could say it's a pilot at the moment, but um, it's just incredible. And we, I think we should also include Jahaziel and Sammy G, because Sammy G is doing the course with us, but he's at another church. You know that Sammy G is pretty much, he's like, he's like the associate pastor at the church in, in, um, over in the Isle of Dogs. 
the bread is the bread is virtually pastoring the church there along with the pastor when the pastor's not here he leads the church sammy rapper from birmingham remember god corner you see sammy g jumping up and down on stage the man is now an associate pastor and i know that there are big plans for for sammy and jahaziel um, i'm not too sure maybe i better not say much about him at the moment apart from just pray for him and and his family because i know they're kind of in a valley of decision so pray for them um you know training training you know when we done defcon one the series in second timothy we said that that series contributes to fulfilling the second aspect of our mission statement which is what i'm talking about today that whole series defcon one you know what i'm saying it was about it was about training and gearing yourself up and being prepared because at the times that we're living in second timothy 2 in that series said you then paul speaking to timothy you then my child like my protege he wasn't his natural child his spiritual son in the faith who he was growing and developing he says you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in christ jesus and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses you entrust what you heard from me to faithful men who will be able to teach others also you see that Paul gets the baton handed to him. He hands the baton to Timothy. And then he says to Timothy, Timothy, run for all your worth. And then you hand it to somebody else. Discipleship. Paul was equipping Timothy to equip others. Training. And before we did 1 Timothy, we did, before we did 2 Timothy, we done 1 Timothy. Do you remember the name of that series? Thank you. Household. God's healthy household. That series, we were trying to say, you know what, that series is, is trying to help us to be healthy because it contributes to the first part of our mission statement, our vision statement, which is to be a healthy church. And then, and then we did Jonah. What, what, what part of our mission statement do you think that fulfilled in a general sense? Outreach, thank you, because Jonah had to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. We were talking about being effective in outreach when we done Jonah. And, and I want you, maybe you're like, raw. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's all right. There's a method to what may seem like madness. <sighs> okay. Got to bring this to an end now, haven't we? I had an overwhelming yes. <laughs> Te- telepathically. You know, 10 years, we've been going for 10 years. 10 years isn't a long time in the grand scheme of things. It takes time to lay foundations. And I feel like that's what the Lord's doing here. And we're greatly encouraged. You know what I mean? This is a great commission because it is great in its authority. Jesus is preeminent. It's great in its mission. It's about making disciples who make disciples. But it's also great in its scope because we want to go deep as well as wide, because you can't go wide unless you go deep, right? Because everything will just fall, just cave in. We want to go deep in our hearts. We want to get healthy information that leads to practical transformation. We want to go wide, that is locally, nationally, and internationally. Big talk. I mean, look how far the gospel has traveled in 2,000 years. 
even to the point of reaching us here, from Bethlehem to Broccoli. And now Broccoli slash Lewisham, if you like, becomes the beachhead, the HQ, or the base of operations. Who knows? Lewisham. Who knows? We believe that God is doing a substantial work here. Amen? Therein do we see the need for a solid substructure. Would you call it when disciples from here begin to spread out like they did in Acts 11? Gathering, serving, teaching, fellowshipping, outreaching. What do you call that? Beautiful. Amen. Which is synonymous with church planting. (laughs) Beautiful. That's what happens when disciples move out. We want to see disciples leaving Broccoli, going into other parts of the borough of Lewisham. We're going to have to in that building. My gosh. We already packed it out. We're going to have to go to multiple services immediately. Imagine we want to see disciples leaving Lewisham and going to other parts of South London like Sammy and like Jehazel. We want to see disciples leaving Lewisham and going to other parts of South London, Wandsworth, Lambeth, Southwark. We want to see disciples leaving for other parts of London, not just south, east, north and west and, and beyond to Birmingham and Bristol and Manchester. Then even... Could it be said that we might even move out to places like Europe and North and South America? I know that God has, Australia, we know that God has put Africa on some of y'all. I mean, goodness, we've got to be thinking about church planting in Africa, surely, or supporting the church in Africa, as well as Jamaica and the rest of the Caribbean. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost or the farthest parts of the world. Then lastly, this commission is great. Number four. Not just because it's great in its scope. It's great in its promise. Jesus says at the end of verse 20 in our text, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's great in its promise. Jesus promised these disciples in the first century to faithfully undergird the work that they did as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. So disciples... If you like, we're on a building site, constructing God's temple year on year. And that's why we need a solid discipleship program so that we can keep it moving. We want to see this continue to build and grow fruitfully to the next generation. But thankfully, it's not just down to us. We do our part. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. And in this we see the fulfillment of the great promise that we mentioned earlier in Matthew 16. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's a great commission because it's great in its authority. It's a great commission because it's great in its mission. It's great in its scope. And it's great in its promise. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Sorry, I kind of whistle-stopped toward through the last couple. but Oh, no band today. Okay. Oh, yes. No. Amen. Yeah. Come and join me. As they're coming, um, I suppose in conclusion, if you're a disciple, if you're a disciple, are you submitting to the authority of Jesus? Um, that's one of the things you know about yourself. And, you're, if, and, and you know what? 
even if you, you can't say, absolutely. I mean, who can say, absolutely? Of course, I've, I'm completely, completely submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Like, <laughs> you never sin. You know what I mean? Hopefully, you're in a place where, you know what I mean, you won't say that because you'd just be self-righteous. You know, none of us can say that. But you're in a place where God is wrestling with you and you're wrestling with God over certain areas of your life. You know what I mean? But have you got an inclination to say, Lord, you know, not my will, but your will be done? You know what I mean? Is that struggle going on? Are you working to make disciples? Are you sharing your faith? Are you talking to others? Are you building others up? Are you looking for someone to come visit you? Like, no one will ever come to my house. No one will come and look for me. You know, or are you looking out for somebody else? Did you know if you actually do the opposite and you will serve someone else, you love someone else, you go look for someone else? You know, in, in, in Proverbs, I forget where it is, and it's verse 11 in one of the chapters in Proverbs. <laughs> you can flip through all of them till you find it. It says, He who waters will himself be watered. She who waters will herself be watered. I mean, I mean, how many of us feel like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? Lord, if only, just water me, Lord. I feel like a plant that's wilting. Oh my gosh. We had, we, had, we had two funerals this week. You know what I mean? And it's like, honestly, sometimes you do, you get to that point where you just feel like, Lord, I just... But in that moment, when you look at the needs of someone else and you serve them, is the electricity gone? Oh, you guys can you can just play in the background. Just remind me that you're there. <laughs> um, water somebody else this week. Let that be a challenge. If you're a, if you're a Christian slash disciple, start looking out for somebody else and serve them as a part of the body. Come on now, you can do it. You can do it. Strive to make disciples. Notice, locally, hey, nationally, maybe even internationally. Begin to pray, Lord, where would you have me go? What would you have me do, Lord? I mean, none, none of us ain't worse than, none of us ain't, yeah, none of us ain't worse than Peter. Foot or mouth disease, Peter. None of us ain't worse than Peter. He gives me so much encouragement when I feel like I can't come up here before you and and do the risk, give that, like the responsibilities that I have. I'm like, I get great encouragement from Peter. And look what the Lord did with Peter's life. The Lord can do the same thing with. Come on now, is God not God? You come in like Moses. Lord, I can't speak. Like the like the. The Lord can use you, man. As a disciple. Are you abiding in his word and thereby ensuring his abiding presence in your life? Remember, he's promised to be with you always. And if you're not a disciple, you can become one today, innit? All you have to do is qualify. And all you have to do to qualify is to be a sinner. And if you are, then you've come to the right place because we are a community full of sinners, aren't we? We're putting our trust in Jesus, the one who died for our sins. The Bible says that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I'm so grateful that he did. And that he saved me and that he saved you. And maybe there's someone that he'll save here today.
Father, I thank you that you created the church. It's your idea. And um, your desire is that we, would, that we would understand the purpose of the church. We would understand that it's your called out people. And that you have a desire for us particularly, personally, but also corporately, institutionally, but personally, privately. But Lord, you also want us to be equipped You've called us now, we're standing there like you're like, okay, just like the disciples in Matthew 28, you know, you're saying to us, okay, here's the mandate. Here's the manifesto. Here's the great commission. Here it is. That's what you're saying to us. Lord, help us to understand that. And Lord, then everything that comes with it that I've had the opportunity to share, Lord. Jesus is the one with all authority and he says we must do it. We must go and make disciples. Help us, Lord. We're little, but we're talua because of Jesus and the Spirit of God who's at work in us. Help us to be bold and to be brave, Lord, as your saved community, Lord, that you want to grow and develop. Help us, I pray. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. To find out more about us, Visit our website at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at CC South London. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.